people in the different. Why do I feel that? Just, just past the old unctuous body. I just feel that. Like I can do some things on the earth. Amen. Signs of times everywhere telling us that Jesus is coming. I said, Jesus is coming. But the world must be ready for him. Praise God. And those who don't believe, that's their prerogative. I feel like Noah, keep on preaching. Keep on teaching. The flood will come. It will come. I said, it will come. The flood did come. The ark did work. You say, amen? Amen. I feel sorry for the church and the preacher who will not preach the end time when Jesus spoke so much about it and the apostles. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, said the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in thy mouth. See, I've set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build and to plant. God bless you. May be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about finding your purpose. I gotta find my purpose. I never forget when my dad took me to college. My sister had finished being midwives and psychiatric nursings, and I was some of the third one in the family out of eight kids. And took me to college and said, "Now, son, you're to college." <laughs> Picked up their syllabus and gave it to me. I said, "Now you choose. What do you want to be?" He didn't tell me to be a mechanic and be a carpenter, which he was. Didn't say be a doctor, a lawyer. I said, "What do you want to be?" I thumbed through the pages. That's a big question for a little kid, for me, like me to answer. What, what do I want to be? Now, when I went to, I went to preschool. I remember going there, and I remember my brother running home from preschool when he went, <laughs> trying to get back home. and had to grab him and take him back to school. He didn't want to stay there, but, but I stayed. And uh, we went through that and went to public school and all that stuff. And not knowing that in those formative years, my future is being decided. Not knowing that my time on earth was ebbing away. Nobody told me that my future was being decided. 
No one let me know what I indulged in and what I did would be my future. <coughs> but I do know of a situation where parents literally whip into submission kids who are bent on being left-handed. They whip them on their hands and change the pen, put it in their right hand. As soon as they turn it back, the kid put it back in the left hand, and they whip them, and they, you know, just, just aggressively go after them, which was wrong. They were wired to do what they were doing. But being ignorant, the parent doesn't know that they're ignorant, that everybody's not right-handed, and God is the one that frame us and shape us. David said, we're fearfully, wondrously made. All our body parts were in a book. I don't agree with people in the radio and TV and all the news media that said a guy feels like he's a girl and a girl feels like she's a boy. I just think they got wrong thinking. They're messed up mentally because they've been talking to the wrong people. We're in the wrong book, and they've been programmed by subliminal information that comes their way. But left alone, your brain and your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland going to tell you what you are. You can tell it. You didn't choose to be a girl. You didn't choose to be a boy. You didn't choose your mommy or your daddy. You didn't choose your home. You didn't choose all things in life. The choice was not yours. Very later in life, as life went on, you got an opportunity to choose. But most time, we were we were just the, the outcome of other people's choices. But there come a time when they transfer accountability and responsibility to us. And we got to make decisions for ourselves. And every decision we make has consequences. Some are pluses, some are minuses, some are lifelong, and some are short-lived. But we make them, and we got to live with them. Some people try to escape them, but, you know, you got to go to bed with them. It's the ghost of life. You go to bed with your consequences. But back to the school thing, I, I, I love welding, so I, I want to be a welder. So I chose to be a welder. I remember taking a city in Gills. I went to city in Gills, I realized I'm going to learn more about engineering and science. Then I realized I don't want to be a welder. I want to be more like a technologist. And I, and I keep going, and I learn more stuff. And then you had people there also telling me, you know, what I could be and what I couldn't be. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't let the opinion of others become your living reality. Don't let the opinion of others become what you want, what you turn out to be. Because some may think you'll never make it. Einstein and Beethoven and all these great men had people's opinion that overcome. And they, they fought against it and become great men. They became what they were cut out to be. Even though the opinion of others said, no, it cannot be. But inside of them was a passion for being what they wanted to be. Now, obviously, the kid don't always know the outcome of what they're saying. But I chose. Eventually, as I go through life, I realize that's not what I want. That's not what I want. And then this is what I... I don't know what I need. I know what I don't want that. And I keep changing, 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 changing. And finally, you settle down on something that you're good at. And sometimes we want things that we're not good at. But we've got a passion. We've got all passion. 
but without wisdom. You can have zeal without wisdom, and wisdom but no zeal. And so uh, you can have passion, but not have a purpose. And you have purpose without passion. We need both purpose and passion to accomplish why you're here. And so I chose the field I'm in. And I realized that some fields are profitable and some are not. I realized very quickly if I choose a field based on just what I like, I realized people not be willing to pay me for what I know. So I had to choose something that people pay me for what I know, even though I may not like it. I had to choose what I'd be paid for and not just what I like. And that's why I didn't waste money in college taking things that I wanted because I realized it's not going to pay off in the end. And so I didn't take it. And then there are people at college today, universities, that leave colleges and they're disappointed. They find out they're in the wrong field. Even doctors and dentists and lawyers, you know, they, they change. And sometimes they step down, sometimes they step up. And it's not a matter of the latter. It's a matter of self-gratification and satisfaction, a sense of fulfillment or accomplishment. They, they, they wrestle with that. And if the inner man is not satisfied, I don't care how much money you make, you'll still be dissatisfied. The inner man has got to be completely fulfilled. Otherwise, you're not going to be happy. Because happiness is not external, it's internal. Even what can make you happy? My wife can't make me happy. She may try, but she can't. Happiness is something, it's an inside job. I've got to feel fulfilled, complete, but I've done what I was cut out to be. And so, uh, I choose the field I was in. I've got one sister right now. She's still kind of flaunting around a little bit, but she was in uh, dental technician work, and everybody was leaving the class and quitting. So she figured if my friend quit, I should quit too. There's always the, the updraft, you know, people are leaving and leave with them. I thought it was a bad decision she made because she could be well off today, but she chose a different profession that she's still floundering. And so people's opinion can impact you. But what is your purpose? Well, God told Jeremiah. I believe God spoke to Jeremiah way down the road, maybe when he was about 30 or so. He lived all his 30 years, never discovered he was in the priesthood, because by, by inheritance he was born a priest. So he had to serve as a priest. So the law says that. But what, what was his purpose? Well, the Bible says, Jeremiah, I want to talk to you. <laughs> maybe he's enjoying the priesthood. God said, no, Jeremiah. Your birth was not an accident. It's not an accident. He said, before I formed thee, I, God says, I've ordained you before you even came out of the womb. I brought you in this world with a purpose. I call thee. And I'm going to send thee. I'm going to sponsor thee. I'm going to promote thee. Your birth is not an accident. I wonder how the people die and never discover why they were born. Or even discover their place on earth. One of the most fulfilling statements I find in the Bible is where it said that, and David served his generation. Awesome. Awesome. But God said in Jeremiah 1, 5, I knew thee, and I know the plan I have for thee. I know why I created thee. I know why I brought you through your mother's birth kennel. He says, 
I have plans for thee. In verse 5 of 7. You see, in other words, you're born for a reason. You're here, Jeremiah, for a purpose. I know where you are in life and time. And I want you to find your rightful place. I want you to live out your rightful purpose. You are here formed, formed with purpose. You are created to serve. You're called. I have called thee from the mother's womb. I've chosen thee. It's amazing how when Mary and Elizabeth talked together, how the fetuses responded that strange vibration in their womb. I mean, their tummy. Amen. They rejoice. Uh, it looked like uh, John the Baptist picked up on his mission and his purpose for being formed in the mother because here is a mom that they thought could never have a child. And here's a lady who didn't know a man. And they're both talking together. And there was the inter, inter-uterine communication taking place. And God says, I have chosen you to be a vessel. You are here for a reason. Now, I'm glad God didn't choose them to be a vessel of dishonor. But God called them uh, to find out and carry out an assignment to fulfill, fulfill a course. He was set apart for a purpose. Now, nobody else felt what he felt. Nobody else heard what he heard. Nobody else could talk like he could. But he said, God said, I have set you apart, and I want you to know that God has a will for your life, and I'm going to make you do it. <laughs> no excuse. He said, well, God, I'm just a child. Now, he's, he's going back to the childhood day. I said, Lord, I, I'm not able. I'm, I'm not capable. I'm just a kid. I can't carry the function. But God looking beyond his fetus. Amen. Status. And God said, look, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, I'm going to empower you to carry out your purpose, which is to speak. I'm going to enable you to articulate my, my intention. I'm going to encourage you to act and stand with you. you got a mission. And I'm going to be the enforcer and the empower. Now, I think of the girl called... Esther, and Esther was an orphan. Somehow her parents had deceased, and the uncle took her up. And uh, But all that wasn't the plan of God. It wasn't the plan of God. Maybe she's wondering, why am I, why am I orphan? Why is my parents dead? Why don't I have a parent? Why do, why do I have to be adopted? She was adopted by Mordecai, and uh, he moved around and pulled her around. And obviously she was a pretty girl. But right at that time, God's purpose was not revealed to her or to Mordecai. It looked like the adoption was an accident, but it was a divine purpose. God was shuffling things around to suit his purpose and his will. And now, uh, because of the captivity, they were in the land of Persia. And the Bible said that uh, Mordecai sat at the gate, and she's at the home. And Vastai is making terrible mistakes. And while Vastai is making mistakes, God had in, plan, in, her, in his mind to replace Vastai with Esther. But nobody knows it. Esther don't know it. And God created an opportunity 
for His will to be fulfilled. It's amazing how God can create opportunity for us to fulfill His purpose and His will for our life. Now, Esther, where among many girls from many parts of the world, over under 20 odd places, and she won. I believe God set things up that she would win. God gave her favor in spite of all the girls. Maybe she weren't the most beautiful girl, but God made her look more beautiful in the eyes of the king. And the king chose her. Now, she probably thought, well, I'm here because I'm good looking. I'm, I'm because I'm cute, got the right body shape, and after all, I'm going to be the queen of this kingdom. Wow, wow, this is awesome. No, girl, you're going to be here for a purpose. God brought you here for a reason. You're here not by accident, but by divine leading of the Spirit. God has a plan for your life. And you don't know it, but it's unfolding. It's just going to slowly reveal to you. And then a crisis came up, and the crisis was going to reveal character. The crisis revealed character, and character revealed purpose. And purpose must have passion behind it to make it a wise choice and fulfillment. And so, uh, Mordecai decided to talk to her because she was positioned in a place where she could be significant, where she could be effective and effectual for the cause of God. See, you have a job that God gave you not to make wages or to be successful. God put you there for a reason. There are people that God wants you to meet that nobody else can meet. God put you in a position that nobody else will ever be and you could hold your peace and not say a thing and be as a kire and show off your wares and you know, how successful you are and sort of all your nice credentials. But that's not why God put you there. God's a purpose for you being there. And so Mordecai said, Girl, I need your help. He said, Oh, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. What? I can't I can't, I can't do that, you know. Protocols I can't do that. It's against company policy and I shouldn't be doing all those things. And blah, 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 blah. He said, okay, let me put you straight. Your adoption was no accident. And right where you are is not by an accident. God was behind the scene preparing you for this moment. And if you think you're going to hide who you really are, behind your profession and your credentials and not reveal who you really are and why you are where you are and how you got there. He says, fine, go ahead. But say, God will raise somebody else who will someday displace you. Take your place from you. You will move aside and God will make your house a dung hill. I mean, the house house. And tear it up and destroy everything you own. That's how I'll do all that to you. Because, how do you know that you have not been brought to the kingdom for times like this? How do you know that where you are right now that I didn't put you there? How do you know that I didn't create a situation? Because there are people whose salvation is in your mouth. And if you hold your peace, and you refuse to lose yourself for my kingdom's sake, 
you're going to lose your life and lose the kingdom. Please put this way to the disciples. Okay? Either you follow me or save yourself and lose your life. Or lose your life for me and save yourself. Amen. So look, God brought you here. Your career is not a career. If it's just a career, then, hey, you can start to be successful. And you can brag on how successful you are. But when you realize what I am doing, what I'm having, is not just a career. I have a calling. There's a calling in my life. And to you guys there, it's a career. But me in this place, Shadrach, Mika, and Benny go, no, it's not a career, King. I'm here with a divine calling. I am placed here for a divine purpose. I'm put right where I can make petition to the king. I can make some decisions that can help him. Amen. You see, what's the career? You talk about your successes. Look what I have. Look what I've done. Look what I've got. But when it's a calling, you strive to be significant. How significant am I? See, I didn't send you there to be successful. I sent you there to make a difference. I didn't put you there so you could have money in your pocket, but I put you to put hope in the hearts of people. So, if you hold your peace, I'll destroy your house to pieces and make it a dunghill, and you'll be a husband, you'll be forgotten, and you won't be a part of my kingdom anymore. For he that saved his life shall lose it. Is your purpose call you to give up your all for the cause? She find that smart. She says, I will do what I have to do. In other words, Esther, you just discover your purpose. Now you know why you won the contest. Now you know why you're in that palace. Now you know why you were adopted. You have been brought to this time for a purpose. Amen. But if you hold your peace and I make a difference, I'll just carry a towel. And I'll find somebody else. It may be delayed, but it won't be a denial. I will replace you. You're replaceable. So I said, okay. I'll do what I have to do. <laughs> I know it's not company policy, but I'll do it anyhow. I'll go see the king. And you know, he said, I don't want your excuses. Don't tell me your problem. Go see the king. If it means losing your life, lose it for the cause. But don't lose the cause because you saved your life. You're born with a purpose. Fulfill it. He said, I have promoted the Esther that you may address the kings and princes and sit among mighty men and women. I allow you to walk in the palaces if you were born in monarchical system. I want you to make a difference there. I want you to represent the cause. I want you to fulfill the mission for which I raised you up for. I want you to complete the assignment, Esther. I don't want to hear your problem. I want to hear your possibilities. 
What a pressure. For God to say, I created thee for this hour. Praise God. Moses in Hebrews 11, 23, 25. He was a successful prince. Income of age to be a, a pharaoh. I suppose all the girls want him. All the king's servants envy him. But Acts seven twenty one told us he was spared from the Nile. Why do all the boys die and you got spared? Why didn't your mom just throw you in the water? Why did that touch your heart? To see that you are a proper child for a divine purpose. Acts 7.20 He was born to be a Savior. Acts 7.21 It was the divine plan of God for him to be a deliverer. Nobody is born again without a purpose. Nobody got baptized in Jesus Christ's name without a mission and a cause. You may never live up to it. You may never know it. You may never discover it. There are many best warmers. Most Christians are overeducated but underemployed for God. Moses, live out your purpose. You know, we see Moses back to the desert, wasting his life, chasing these silly sheep. Amen. Out there. And that's where we're supposed to be, Moses. In chapter 11, 24, 25, why did God raise him up in the palace? Verse 22, Acts 7. Why did God educate you? Why are you educated when the rest of your family are ignorant and unlearned? Why are you traveling like kings and princes and priests and the rest are just lost? Why, but why are you? Because God said, i got a purpose for you. Divine plan for you. Amen. Whom he purposed, them he called. Who he called, he ordained. Who he ordained, he powered up, glorified, sanctified. Amen. And sent out to work. Amen. In Acts 7, 23 to 30, we see him trying to show that he had a little inkling that he's supposed to be a deliverer. The people rejected him. That turned him off for a while. You know, the rejection turned him off. He ran away. But in Genesis 50 and verse 24, 26, he was predicted by Joseph. God's going to raise up a deliverer. Guess what the deliverer is? All that was left to do was call him by name. Moses. God could call him that. He didn't call him that. There was coming. He's talking about Moses. Amen. In Acts 11, Acts 7, 31, 34 says, God called him to fulfill a purpose, and the beautiful thing is he did fulfill that purpose. But that burning bush called him back on course. And so Moses, 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 you've been trained, and I was behind that training. I was the one that made Pharaoh trained you. 
Because that was the highest country in the world. You were the best university in Memphis. You were there. I allowed it to happen. No charge to you. You're a Hebrew. You live like an Egyptian. You know all these free scholarship. All these access to information. You're not around a government. You know about military might and all that. I watch you go through all that. Amen. And now I want you to go fulfill the purpose for which I spared you from the Nile. If you think that person beside you is here by accident, you're wrong. You may not like them, and they may not like you, but God chose them. For it is divine purpose. There's a reason for them being here. The steps of a purposed person are ordered by the Lord. And now it's going to stand why all these years he's praying, nothing happened. And the first time God answered the prayer was to be with divine purpose. And it asked, Yea, Lord, yea, Lord, what is it, God? I got a job for you. What? Well, of course, I went all these years, but he gave me an assignment. Well, what is it? I want you to go and see a guy called Saul. Who? What? Where? Yeah. You sure this is God? You're not a devil talking to me. You heard me right. His name is Saul. He said, no, 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 no. You got that wrong. This guy is an Isis. He cuts hands off. He chops off hands. You want me to talk to him? You got the wrong guy back in prayer. Oh, I want to talk to you. You never read about Anas one more time. His purpose was to touch a life bigger than his own Saul. Every time you read an epistle, Anas, Romans, Anas, Galatians, Anas. To do Anas to bring him in the faith. You know that? <laughs> Paul can break all he wants to. He can't deny who prayed for his healing and who prayed for his receiving the Holy Ghost. Amen. He got it there. And then these guys are two destined to meet two different generations. Anas, God said, all this time. I kept you praying for this moment that your prayer may impact this young lad who is zealous but have no wisdom at all. And God said, you know what? And I said, this, about this. this guy is a chosen vessel. I'm saving him for my purpose. Eternal purpose. I'm going to reveal to him things that were hid from the Christian of the world. I'm going to reveal to him Amen. What about Joseph? You know, Joseph's life was hills and valleys, hills and valleys, pits and losing his shirts, <laughs> people messing around his dreams. But, you know, he finally found his purpose when God created an environment for him to thrive. The king had a dream. Hello? 
And Joseph had no idea that every time Joseph did a dream, he got in trouble. The more he dreamed, the more problems he got. <laughs> First they forgot him. Then they sold him. Hello? And now you've got to face the king. What are you going to tell the king? Well, the king will like what he says. You mean kill him too? Good. But God finally showed Joseph why did he went through this trial of tribulation and heartaches? It's just like God was building his character for the job he had to do later on. I remember when I was a kid coming up in the Lord, I had some terrible newcomer experience. And God says, How can you ever help anybody if you have no experience? I thought, What? What experience? I need victory. I don't need experience. I need my prayer answered now. God said, oh, no, no. You have to go through that. Then when you help others, you know what they're talking about. Because tribulation brings experience. There's a difference between reading a textbook and say, been there, done that. So I found out, Joseph found out that all that he went through in chapter 50, he told his brothers in verse 9 and 26, said, Look, guys, I found my purpose. The reason why you sold me, it wasn't you that sold me, it was God that sold me. I was sold in the will of God. I didn't even know it. I was, I went through all I went through was the will of God. I didn't even know it. Like Job, you know, I didn't know what was going through the will of God. If Job didn't go through what he went through, you wouldn't talk about integrity. God put Job there as an example for us to follow. Amen. Divine purpose. Divine purpose. He said, God sent me to keep you guys alive. Rejection does not necessarily mean regression. It's God's purpose. All things working together for the future good. Future good. The purpose of the dream was for promotion, not commotion. Placement, not displacement. And Joseph finally found himself on the throne. And I know he felt good, got a good wife and a good kids. Then God said, that's not why I brought you here, Joseph. I didn't bring you to enjoy a wife and two kids. Here's the real reason right before you. To keep that generation alive. For the Abrahamic promise to be fulfilled. Why am I here? Why did I got here? I believe refugees are being displaced for a reason, two reasons. Many years ago, and I'm not telling you that I'm, I'm some prophetic person, and I got an article I wrote many years ago to the general uh, home mission pharmacy director. I remember I wrote it to him. I still have it. I said, God showed me something in His Word, in the vision. That there are countries you can't preach the gospel to, but He's going to bring these refugees to us. That we can preach the gospel to them. And they can go back where you can't go. And they can speak the language that you can't speak. That's why God chose Paul. He was born on a Roman citizenship. And he had rights that no Hebrew had. 
And he could go into areas and territories they've never been. He wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was born in, in, in Asa. So he could say, all of Asa heard because he knows Asa. As a Jew, he was welcome in Jerusalem. So you had the edge on Peter and all the rest. God chose you because of who you are. God will never help you in this church to become somebody else. God will only help you to become who you are and what you're supposed to be. But never to be a second me, a second somebody else. You won't do that. What is your purpose? Some folks in church have no dreams, nothing in alive, no mission, and definitely no passion. The common threads with Jeremiah, Esther, and Moses and Joseph are three things, the three Ps. Purpose, passion, and performance. I was thinking about a certain district in our fellowship, and God spoke to my heart. I believe it's God because the devil won't tell me that. He said, these are good men. But they don't have a corporate thinking. Their thinking is parochial. It's saying, I'm the eye. I don't need the nose. The nose is saying, I'm the nose. I don't need the feet. And they can't on their own function except in synergy. And synergy is corporate. And most guys would tell you, I don't believe in organization, yet the most organized plant on the earth is your body. I said, the most organized function on the earth is your body. And the church is a body of synergies. Functional parts moving all over, but doing the right thing. I'd be a strange looking sight if my toe go where my nose is. If my nose go where my toe is, I couldn't walk. They couldn't smell anymore. Amen. Purpose. Passion. Purpose is making a difference and not just trying to be successful. What is your purpose? Honestly, what is your purpose? Do you know what it is? Okay, you repent of your sins. You got baptized in His name. You filled with the Holy Ghost. But what have you done with your life? What can you show and say, God, this is my purpose because I found the will of God for my existence. Was it actually when God said in Acts 13, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas. This union won't be a communion for long. Separate them for the work that I call them for. I remember when I was in Sunday school, I mean, out of class, I don't want to teach Sunday school. No, I don't want to teach Sunday school. No, I want to, no, no. I want to be upstairs. I want to learn more about the Bible. And God gave me a scripture in the book of Hebrew. I never forgot it. I still remember today. When you ought to be a teacher, you have needed someone to teach you. I thought, oh, my God, that's in the Bible. And I knew what it meant. Surrender to divine purpose. The purpose for God was not for me to be self-gratified in the church. It was for me to lose myself to the church, for the church. Give myself unreservingly, without reservation, 
preparing and presenting my body as a living sacrifice. I can see why Paul said to the unmarried, hey, don't get married. If you do, you'll be distracted by your wife or by your husband. And if and it's fine, it's okay, it's legit, but you have distraction. But if you're single, you say, look, stay single because you don't have no distraction. And you're free to give yourself to him and not be entangled with the yoke of bondage. Passion is a calling, not a career. When you have a passion, I'm going to describe what passion is. It's sacrificing self for the cause. David said, I'll fight Goliath, not even considering how great that guy is. Is there not a cause? Why should I want to do it for a prize? When God's integrity is on the line. You see, a passion and purpose must be bigger than my ambition. It must produce eternal value that's bigger than me. I must get I must touch something that's bigger than me. I must touch something that's eternal. I must get involved in something which will outlive me any day. I want to be purpose-driven. Live a purpose life. A life that has meaning and purpose. A life that empowers others. Saul Tarsus became Paul. God changed his name. Let him know I changed your purpose. He said, God who separated me from my mother's womb and gave me special revelation and anointed me and appointed me and sent me to worlds unknown that I count not my life dear, but I'm ready to sacrifice it for Christ. And God said, I've chosen him. Acts 9, 15, 16. I chose him as a vessel to bear my name. Acts 13 and verse 2 says, God separated me for his purpose. When others are messing around, fooling around, not you. Like Jesus, a little kid, who got there playing ball and skating around, not Jesus. He sat down with doctors and lawyers, his peers. Not his peer, but men bigger than him. And we're asking question, answering question. And when they found him, they said, Why are you seeking me, Mom? Would you know I got a purpose? I'm at my father's business. He's not watching dirty books and reading dirty comic strips and playing with, with sick, sick things that would make you sick. No. At your age, 12 years old, he's caught up with his father's theological business with doctors and lawyers, not a bunch of prostitutes and whoremongers. No! Not a whorehouse. No! Where is it? In the God's house. Reading God's Word. Not reading pornographic magazine. He said, why are you seeking me? I'm at my father's business. You could tell this child was, was for a sign. He was raised up with a cause. One time they challenged him and said, for this cause was I born. You can't hurt me. I was born for a cause. 
and for this purpose came I in this world. I came I I came this world for a purpose. I read tonight, Job said, My cause is dead. No, you want to revive your cause. Revive your purpose. And pray till you find it. It's like find the will of God. I like the passion of a woman called Rachel who said, Give me kids or I die. That's passion. And that's what she did. She died. Crying for kids. And God gave her a Benjamite. She knew the Benjamites are the first king. And the first apostle of the Gentiles. That's what passion produces. Kingdoms. A prophetic ministry. How can you sit there and never have one of the gifts of the Spirit? And be content. How can you sit there and say the church have all these needs and never pray, God, let me fulfill that need. Pick me, hear my, send me, use me, choose me. Why don't you do that? How come? You're content. You know why? Comfort zone. Comfort zone is a danger to, to passion and purpose. Let us see it. Lay back. Lukewarm. Not hot. Not cold. You can't find where they are. But he was sent by the Holy Ghost. Verse 4, chapter 13. He was sent to the Gentiles. Challenge, yes. Building talent, yes. But you know when Paul was finished, he went alone and ended with chapter 16 of the book of Romans. Read the long list of entourage he developed. He was a men developer. Behind this pulpit is the least. In fact, the apostles didn't have pulpit. They didn't have pulpit. Their pulpit was like an orange crate box out in the marketplace. The greatest education theologically is not in the church. Anybody can come Sunday morning and teach you guys. You're, you're, you're in the choir. But go out there and do it. Go out there and face the conflict. Go out there and face hostile religion. Go out there and show God you can't do it. Then we know you got something going. You don't prove nothing here. Hey, church, it's easy for me to preach to you because we're on the same team. We're the same thing. You're not, you're, not, you're not scoring high. You're not scoring high at all. God said, hey, greater is he that goes on to Samaria than he went to Jerusalem and we don't need them. Sent to the Gentiles. And God said, you're going to Rome to represent me. Go to Rome, where Caesar's hostile. But this guy, passion, they put soldiers between him, I mean on him, between two soldiers, and he converted them. And he wrote the church in Caesar's house. Look at that, friend. If you have passion and purpose, wherever you go, whether school or workplace, you'll be, you'll be the reason for one of two things. Revival or riot? You will be the cause of revival or riot wherever you go. But if you're nothing, hey, that doesn't bother you. I thank my God that never came by and paid my building. I thank God for that to me. That's a good thing. That's good news. I'm affecting him. You don't affect me, I won't affect you. They will say, you affect me, I'll affect you. I rejoice. I can thank God. Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, revival. He's, he's affected. I told you on Tuesday night, I adorned God's house, and he came and showed me what he can do about it. I said, thank you, Jesus. Don't bother me. That's just brick. That's just martyr. He can't touch my palace in heaven. That's the least of my problem. That's my Michelangelo out there. Amen. 
Acts 26. Turn there. Verse 16 to 18. The nurse said to me, I was so embarrassed. I've been here 17 years. I've never heard of your church. And she named the church I've been to. She said, I'm looking for a church. I've been to all these churches. I went to the Nigerian church. Never heard of your church. Never heard, never heard of it. I thought, all right. My church did a great job witnessing. Aren't they? You did a great job in the supermarket. You just shut your mouth. Another Esther in the palace. Love when I come and preach. Great sermon. God going to bless you prosper you. Woo! Wow. But to face the crowd for him. No. Seventeen years. Never heard of us. I want to cry. I felt embarrassed. That's not the first time I've heard that. We can shout here and make all the noise. Best said, keep it in the four walls. You can't find one scripture where the apostles ever returned to Jerusalem to the upper room. Never. Never. But I find them in the marketplace in the streets. The jailhouses. When you leave, will anybody know you were on earth? When you leave your workplace, will they know you were there? When you walk in a place, can anybody feel your presence? What is your purpose? I thought we're salt. I thought we're candles. What are we? What are we? Tonight, God's telling this church, Go and find your purpose. Why are you in the church family? What plan does God have for your life? What does God want you to focus on? Success or significance? A bigger house or a fuller church house? Tonight we can find our purpose. God had a plan and a purpose for you and me when you went down in that water. I guess the pastor told us one day, my wife told me that when I got saved, they said, how long will he last? Good question. How long will he last? I didn't know they asked the question. How long will he last? Because they come and go at the tides. Amen. Can we make a difference? Go make a difference? Can we work with people that make a difference? Do we do things that are His will? I'm going to ask you tonight, what do you do well for God? How are you wired for God? Are you wired up? So folks are so lukewarm and cold. His prayer is moving. You couldn't tell. You can't look in that direction. There's no movement. You've got to look somewhere else to find that I was moving. I don't want this church tonight leave your work on their weaknesses. Don't waste your time and work on your weaknesses. You spend eternity doing that. Work on your strength until you crowd out your weaknesses. Let's cut hands to God.
Tonight, God said, follow your purpose with a passion. When purpose has no passion, choice will not be fulfilled. We use our talent or lose it. If my car sits there for five days, 20 days, 30 days, not fired up, not used, the battery dies. Unused saints will die just like a battery. You'll die the same way. Amen. Do not sacrifice your dream. Amen. With complacency. Tonight, I'm going to tell you, friend, there's no defense against excellence. Praise God. No defense against it. Know your calling and abide in your calling. We say hallelujah. <clears throat> I watched at that school when I went there and watched those kids. I watched their entrepreneur spirit in them. You could tell the ones they're going to reign and those who are going to be reigned ruled by. Every teacher can tell that. A child is known by her doing. A church is known by her witnessing or not witnessing. It's easy for us to come and sit here before the Lord and act like we are usable vessels. But He knows better than that. Amen. Purpose is a God calling thing. What do I do best for God? Complacency is a is a is a, is, a, is a danger to pass to, to passion. I believe tonight we can learn from those that are a cloud of witnesses that God gives us. I believe we can improve on what God showed us as exemplary the lives and character of these men who gave themselves so wholeheartedly and stand as a challenge to us. There they, they they say more than the ones down in. In, uh, in the States or in Canada, as lest we forget. We've got our finger to tell us, I mean, what God can do with our life. I thought about that idle servant on the 11th hour. God said, what are you doing being idle? He said, well, nobody involved me. God said, okay, get involved. And look what they accomplished in one hour. What could have done 11 times that? Tonight, God said, don't seek to be significant. If you want to be successful. But if you want to be successful, you won't be significant. Because most guys will say, in the ministry anyway, I get nothing out of it. See it? See it? Self autonomy? I get nothing out of it. That's not why you're here. You, what do you give out of it? The priest passed by on the other side. We went to church. The Levite, at least take a look. The Samaritan, make a difference. I could hear him praying in, in the temple. I'm not like this Samaritan. But Jesus Christ said, he's a better neighbor. Tonight, we must lose ourselves in and for the cause. Number three, don't look at what you're doing for God in the career. It's a calling. A man today is now a gay homosexual. He brought into the fellowship down the road in one organization to paid musicians. He taught them they should be paid. It's a ministry. And since that came in, the ministries have gone downhill. Satan have taken over. A spirit got over. What God is looking for is people who are addicted to a heavenly vision. There must be a reason why you're here. You've got to say, I'm going to press toward 
the mark for the prize of a higher calling than just being a welder, a doctor, a lawyer, a physician. I've seen parents give their career, amen, being a doctor and nurse just to be a parent. Yet this is a higher calling than being just a parent. Amen. There's a purpose for, my, for our cause, and we've got to do it all for the cause. I'm doing this not because of eye service and men pleasers. I am just addicted to the ministry. And addiction means excessive compulsive. I can't but do it. i got to stir up the gift that God has given me. i got to forget those things which are behind and press towards the mark for a higher calling, a higher cause. I am here by purpose. This is not a position. It's about purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your gift and calling will make room for your significance. Mm. Bible says, quench not the spirit. By the same token, quench not the passion. Some folks can't stand. I know the guy when he began the spirit and dance, he knew it all in his mind like David with exuberance. And I hear people criticize him. I thought, leave him alone. On the dance floor, that's how he did it. For the devil. And he changed his purpose. And his focus. But please don't change the enthusiasm. Don't change the might of which he gave his wealth. Don't change that dilatariness that he used to have. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. All right? You know, we can. somebody said to me all the time, and others always say, why don't you retire? Well, this is a career. You retire from career. You can't retire from a calling. You know when I retire from a calling? When they put you in the coffin. I will not come back and work. I promise you that. I will not be back here any longer because it's a permanent retirement. Be a winner, not a whiner. Amen. When you find your purpose, you're going to say, Lord, be it unto me. Not according to popular opinion, but according to thy word. Oh, thou mighty man of thou okay I am. If you say so. Number two, her and Aaron lift up the hand of Moses. And that's all God called to do is to lift up the men of God's hand and lift it up. Because that determined the battle of being won by Joshua. Joshua found the battle, and Lord realized he's winning the battle because somebody is raising up their hands. And when those hands got tired, two men saw what was taking place and said, Well, I'm not a specialist, I'm going to walk right in. You know, we, we can get this, this specialist spirit, you know. Well, that's not my department. You don't have a department, you have a calling. If the flag drops, go pick it up and hold it. Well, that's not my department. I'm not in the music department. Who cares about the music department? Well, I'm not in that department. Who cares what department? We need you, man. Get on board. Amen. John Mark, I like his life before and after. One time he was kicked out because he went unprofitable. They said, now bring him back in because now he found his purpose. He found his purpose. And John is the one that uh, wrote Peter for him when Peter wrote the book of Mark. Amen. John Mark. But Mark wasn't there. 
I said, Mark wasn't there. Hello? But Peter told him what went on. And he was a translator for Peter. Amen. All right? Timothy. He was like-minded, like Apostle Paul. He found his place, and he fit best at Ephesus. Titus fit better at Crete. Apollos, <laughs> like this, feel good, amen, in another place. There were helpers. There were Corinthians who were addicted. You know, I like the Corinthian church. That church was full of confusion, but friend, not like it in Zealand, Pastor. All they need was some navigation. Paul said they were zealous of spiritual gifts. I mean, they were zealous. They came with a psalm. They came with a hymn. They came with a prophecy. I mean, they came with everything to give. And Paul said, oh, hold it! You may all do it, but do it by course. I rather have a Corinthian church than a Laodicean church. Amen. At least I can stop that madness and try to make a difference. Church. Amen. The acronym MAD means make a difference. The Corinthian saints were addicted to the faith. Elisha, I like this one, he found his purpose. Here, father, these nasty old cows. Amen. One day, God came by him and hit him with a mantle. Lord, he found his purpose. He went and sold his business, sold everything he had, got rid of his cows, burned. So he said, I'm not going back home. I'm not coming back. I don't want a distraction. And he followed that man the rest of his life until he got his spirit. Mm. What happened there? Come on, just your hand to Jesus. Come on, folks. You might as well sit there and take this all coming up and quit. I'm done. Amen. But Elisha found his purpose. I want a double portion of what you got. So you can if you got the passion to follow me. You see, all this got shaken off, but not him. He said, You got the wrong guy. I'm here for life. I'm here for good. I mean what I'm saying. I burn all the bridges now. I got nothing to bother me back there and coming forward with you. All the way, he shut me off. John the Baptist, he found his purpose. His job was one to to, to show that Jesus is Messiah, and when he did, then he died. That's worship God. Anybody who's married and young person, please take the time and study the life of Aquila and Priscilla. If you want a perfect marriage, there's none in the Bible more perfect than that couple. That's a perfect couple. <clears throat> in the perfect will of God, in the perfect career, perfect relationship, there's none better than they are, Aquila and Priscilla. And they were supportive of the apostolic ministry of Paul. You can read about them later on how great they were. All right? Ask God for your place. Lord, what will you have me to do? What need does this church have? That nobody else wants to do. God, you know, give me a job that nobody wants so they won't take it from me. And that's a non-public job. Many years ago, old timers used to say, you feel a call for God? Go wash the toilet. Go mop the floor. Go cut the grass. Go shovel the snow. Go paint the building. 
Go, 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 go. Dirty, nasty job. One guy, the pastor told, the evangelist told us about this guy from Bible school. So he called, got called to ministry. He said, okay, go pick the building. He said, oh, no, no, no. I can't do that. I'm called to preach. He said, here's a paint. Here's a brush. Go preach. He said, no, I can't do it. Not, not in these hands. Just tell him, go. He dismissed him. He wanted what? The search, not the search light. He wanted everyone to see him on the stage light. David wanted the search light. The guy wanted the stage light. Everyone wanted to be seen. Mary said, Be it unto me. I like what Ruth says. Entreat me not to leave thee. I'm not going to leave you. I got a passion. Here I am, Lord. Send me. If nobody wants to go, I'll go. Now we always mock this guy, but we shouldn't really, really, because he he was very, he was intuitive and he was very self motivated. Let me run. But you got no message yet. Let me run. Well, wait, son. We'll get to later on some message. But right now, just hang on there. Well, please let me run. Let me run. I wish I had more folks like that. Hello? Then those who are messing up won't run. Hallelujah. Because all I can do is keep an envelope in his hand. Pay his former, please. Go, go, go give that to the king. Passion and purpose are Siamese twin. Tell the person beside you, they're Siamese twin. Tonight, God is saying to this church, stir up the gift. Well, I know what my gifts are. Find it! And when you find it, come back and say, Oh, Pastor! The seed of the house have eaten me up. So, Pastor, I'm zealous for good works. And I'm not trying to be seen unto the earth, but oh, that I might please Him. Oh, that I might know Him. Oh, that I might set my face like a flint. Oh, I'm going to strive. I'm going to run the race. I'm going to press my way in. I'm going to move with emotion. I'm going to be steadfastly minded. I'm going to be unmovable, unshakable. I'm going to be grounded and firm in the Spirit. And be a fanatic of zeal, a fan of God. I can't stand men coming out of the pulpit and those dead though. We should throw mangoes at them so they can move. At least they move in the Spirit. You know, dodging bullets. So it can confuse that for their moving in the Holy Ghost, you know? No, he's not moving, he's dodging bullets. Who wants to be thoughtful, indifferent, lukewarm, cold, not hot? When we have passion with purpose, you can tell. I feel compulsed. You know, I see choir saying, Great is thy faithfulness. Great. Two over Santibonius. Not church. David, move. When the wind blows, the trees move. Dead trees don't move. They're just like this. And when they do move, they crack and break. They fall. Hallelujah. Oh, when the Spirit is moving, I'm moving with it. Come on, somebody. It's time to jump. It's time to run. It's time to... Hey, come on. There's a country with all your might. Hallelujah! Well, church, you know, and, 
And Abraham left the and Abraham left the No, get with it! And Abraham did this! And Abraham said! And Abraham! Oh, come on, come Look what's the God! That's how you should do it! If they're not doing that, throw your boots at them! Throw your handkerchief at them! Say, move! Move! Move, preacher! Move! Deek! 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 Lord have mercy! Nothing is worse than a dead preacher. Worse than a corpse. Compulsive! Oh, well, I can't raise my voice. Well, my, you want to kick in the rear, get to go on. Kick start. That's right. Get it going. Amen. You know the best thing is to jump, friend? If you can't jump, by God, stick in a pin. Stick in a pin and you'll jump to the feet. I least you did it once. I'm fixed, O oh Lord. I'm diligent, O oh Lord. I'm totally devoted. I'm totally committed. I'm eating with a zeal. I'm overcharged. Oh, Hallelujah. 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 Sometimes challenge your perspiration. It may bring inspiration. Come on, church. Pastor Pastor has seen my purpose. I'm persuaded of my purpose. I embrace my purpose. Oh, hallelujah. I confess my purpose. Pastor, I feel it. I feel it. Something is moving. What's moving? I don't know. What's moving? I'm, mo- I'm moving in the right direction. Hallelujah. Come on, church. God wants you to connect. Right, Zachary? Right? <laughs> Gifts of the Spirit and gift of ministry. These are purposes that God put in the church. And God says, my, my nose and my eyes and my ears and my hands shouldn't have a dysfunctional problem. Well, this is not my department. This is not my area. Get off the church. Just if you're there, do something. Set the body in motion. Praise God. When I want to go to that room, my hands are coming with me. We're together. Together we eat. Together we pray. Together we wash one another's feet. Many people say it's not right, but we're doing the Lord's. Boy, you're still sleeping on me. You were confirming my preaching. You know, you're going to the first one of the resurrection. The dead in Christ, the rise first. First one, good God. My Lord, my God. For I know the plan I have for this church. Hallelujah. What if I never come back? What do you do? Die? You're foolish. This church is bigger than me. Bigger than you. Amen. Paul and Barnabas was there for a purpose. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to preach one day about dressed apart. I'm saying, God don't like rocking muffins. Only one guy was allowed to dress like a, like a orangutan. That was John the Baptist and nobody else after that. Jesus wore a seamless robe. Hello? Wrinkled me into slept in it too long. Hello? Why were you born again? Ask the person. What difference are you making? Do you live out your calling? Have you submitted to the cause? Do you operate with passion? Will we know where you were here? Will they ever know? At least... I wish you don't use deodorant. 
But at least we know you were here. We know who was here. The skunk. Hallelujah. Chemical warfare. Think about it. Or am I bigger than my my passion? Or is my passion bigger than me? Am I distracted? Ask for Who's your distraction? Come on. Who's my distraction? All right. Emergence is pretty, pretty quick here. Very quick in the church. And I mean this church. We've got to have purpose. Got to have purpose. You can't do nothing for God without purpose and passion. Ask God right now for purpose and passion. Praise God. All right? Let me remind you. My goal is my purpose. I have purpose in my heart. I'm going to stand before the king. If I perish, I perish. But I have purpose. I'm going to see the king. I have purpose. I must see Caesar. I'm going to see the king. I've got to see him. I will not let others' opinion of me become my reality. And listen to this, folks. Do not allow opportunity to come and you are not prepared for it. Why don't you learn some more keys? Can't you give God a surprise? You're playing a sharp now. I've heard enough flats all my life. Play something sharp. Can I hear it? Can you please raise your voice a little bit here? Woo! Do, do something. Let's have church. You know, if you come to church and things aren't happening, grab the tambourine and throw it in, throw your suit all over the place and just, just stir things up. A Holy Ghost stir. I promise you, you won't frighten God. You just think you got mad. But he won't be frightened. It's better to be prepared for opportunity and it never comes than for it to come and find you unprepared. Now, folks, don't go there in your life. But Reuben, I don't like this, unstable as water, he shall never excel. Now, I can stop you if you want me to, but I'll be robbing you if I do. So what would you like? What's your pleasure? Thank you. First of all, you're dismissed. All right. Joseph excelled where Reuben didn't. Because Joseph took a stand where Reuben did not. I still feel if I was content to be in the first building I was in, I'd still be in there now. If you're content, never talk in tongues, you'll never speak in tongues. If you're content never to walk with God, you'll never walk with God. But he that asketh shall receive it. He that seeketh shall, and he that knocketh. If any man lack wisdom, give up. No! Let him ask. And it's an acronym. Hallelujah. All right? 
Fourth thing you want tonight from God. God, I want to find my purpose. God, I want to live up my passion. God, I want to perform a performance, not for the stage light, but for God's church light. And God, be it unto me, I must be profitable. I must be profitable. Jesus, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. God talked to me some time back and said, in the church, you don't know who you're preaching to. You don't know what they'll become down the road. Don't hold back. Let go. You don't know who's who. But I know them by name and by nature. Hallelujah. And Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. And he was healed. God can perceive you. And God can receive you and give you gifts. Amen. And offices and governments. Praise God. Amen. And the motive got to be right. Purpose. Jesus understood his purpose. <clears throat> Follow these guys. They're, they're, they're a good example. For this cause was I born and came I in the world. Number two. Paul was committed to his purpose. Oh, Gripper, I was not disobedient to the heaven of Israel. Oh, oh Gripper, I, I, I can't go back on what God showed me. I mean, God, God was genuine. I saw him. I heard from him. He told me what he wants to do. I, I got to do what he says. I am committed. I am fully persuaded. And I don't cut my life dear that I may finish my course. Titus, I know the creatures are bad people. But that's why I left you there. You're the man for the job. I sent you there. And I left you there at Crete. Why? you got some skill they need to set in order the things they're lacking and wanting. Timothy! Oh, you're like mine. It's like I am. But Timothy, I love you to be with me. But you know what, Timothy? i got to ship you out. What am I saying to Timothy? Ephesus. Ephesus, Ephesus of need of you. To tell those people, don't teach no other doctrine. I can't be there. Would you be there for me? These are delegated power. These are digging responsibility and authority. Can God trust you with responsibility? Can God trust you with a message? Can God trust you with accountability? Can God put you out there and you return with fruit? Can you really? Nobody knows until opportunity knocks. Every man can until he prove otherwise. Timothy, for this call, this purpose. Hallelujah. Timothy, you know my doctrine. You know my call. You know what I'm all about. Solomon, I like the Solomon said, he purposed in his heart to build a temple. You know I mean, I'm going to build it. kills me dead. He purposed in his heart. Long before he built his house. I'll tell you why most preachers don't have a church house. I'll tell you why. They always built their house first before they built God's church house. That's backwards. My wife and I didn't do that. We built his house first. So I learned from David. From 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 David. I learned from Abraham. Abraham always built an altar first. Then he built a tent. Hallelujah. God has priority. 
then the only the only focus is on his house. His house. He purposed to build that house. And David says, I want to build that, but God will let me so. Okay, I'm going to help those who can. Some folks, if they can, if the smoke not coming from their stack, they can't support it. If it's not their favorite preacher, no, I tell them all the time, and some folks don't like me, they say, our preacher, that means, Brother Nita, you're not my preacher. Our own, Brother Simpson, I got the message. You're not our own, you're just a stranger. You know what they do? They chew gums on me. Thank God you guys don't chew gum in this church. And they just go dead on me like this. Now, I know they're dead on me, but guess what? They've got one thing. I'm used to the wilderness. I'm used to preaching to rocks. <laughs> so cold rocks didn't bother me. <laughs> Hallelujah. They got the wrong guy. I'm still worked up about what they do. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elisha found his purpose was to follow and look and serve and then practice. Jeremiah, God says, pull down, come on now, set up, tear down, and so on. Now, Ezra knew his purpose was to rebuild. I'm going to work this pretty fast was to restore worship. Nehemiah, no, his purpose was called, chosen to rebuild walls. We don't have the same ministry. We don't have the same office, the same administration. But bless God, whatever you have is good enough for God. God wants it. But man, how smart is God wants it? And we don't compare ourselves among ourselves or measure ourselves by ourselves, but we measure by Him. He's a standard. Amen. I do it unto Him. No, you're been unto him. Hallelujah. Uh, my my neighbor told his mom, Mom, close the door. I'm praying to Jesus, not you. Close the door. Little kid. He's about how old? About six. Mom. Esther was made aware of her purpose. Why she was adopted. Why she was in the contest and she won. Why she was there for placement. When I was at Nate, God told me why I was there. God said, you're there for a reason, boy. He said, I didn't give this job to look nice and look cute. Amen. Go there and work for me. Amen. So go work for me. All right, Jesus. God won preachers out of there and many souls, which I didn't know would have been there. Amen. Esther said, if I perish, that's her passion. But I'm going, that's her purpose. Try praying to Jesus. I know if this church started praying this way, oh, God. I want to find my purpose. I want to be equipped by you and used by you and empowered by you to touch lives. I guarantee this church is full. I guarantee preaching will be ten times easier. Praise God. Joseph and Mary, praise God, was reminded by Jesus, I must be about Ezekiah forgot why he was healed. God made him sick. Got the news out he's dying. Heal him. Hoping to tell them about him, God. He shut off his building, his house. Everything got and God said, What happened, boy? Why did they come? Well, I shut all my house, all my dust. God said, Good, good. Now, you're going to lose all of it to them. 
You didn't talk about me. Mm. Young boys, what are you talking about? Girls? Sex? Dirty books? Huh? What are you talking about? Just as I was eight years old, I brought revival. An eight-year-old boy, a little girl, brought revival to a man who had died from leprosy. She found her purpose. That's why they captured me, to tell this guy. Because Naaman was helped by God and didn't know it. But she brought him to God. Mount Sinai, when they didn't understand their purpose, why God gave them all these jewels, these golds, and all that, it wasn't for their own personal use. It was to build the tabernacle. But they built a golden calf. Now, saints, don't get mad at me now. doesn't matter if you do. Your business is going to get mad. Well, when God gives us and pay, it doesn't mean raise kind of living. It means raise your giving. God raise your pay, not for raise your kind of living, but to raise your giving. Give back to God. The demoniac, they chain him, <laughs> abandon him, but when he met Jesus, he gave him a purpose. Go home and witness. What is your purpose? I'm going to find one of God for your life. Most guys, you guys don't know this. Every young preacher I know, friend they ask, they ask, he said, take this church over. Well, they said, how many in attendance? One. They come in tithing. How many in attendance? How much will you pay me? I'm not lying. Honest truth. Come preach to me. How much will you pay me? Hello. It's a career. It's no longer a calling. It's not, what will God have me to do? Most have not found their place. And their contribution is this distribution to self. But root observer purpose. She thought her husband just died and then died. He just died. That was it. Going to Jerusalem. No. Ruth was called to reverse a generational curse. Don't tell me mommy was a drunk, daddy was a drunk, if I'd be a drunk. No! The equation don't work that way. I want to bring somebody out. And make you a significant difference in your home. Amen. Why do we study? To show God I'm a workman, to prove unto Him. Why do we read? To know God. Why do I learn? So I can give more for God. Why, why do I give support for the cause? Why do I volunteer? To receive a man? No. To fulfill my purpose. Amen. Why do I profit for all to see Him? Let's worship Jesus. Church, do we know our purpose? Then follow your passion. To lead you to your purpose if you don't know what it is. Passion is the light, and purpose is the journey. Everybody say amen. Say amen. I'm hurrying on here, church. I'm watching the clock. It's not yet 12 midnight. I'm, I'm heading for 12. I'll get there pretty soon. 
What's my passion? i got to tell you this before we quit. My passion is linked with my purpose. Amen? Without passion, purpose will die. My passion adds value to my purpose. Passion is the energy behind your purpose for existence. My passion is stirring up the zeal. I'm like a charged battery. I'm like a bull in a pen. My passion makes me take charge of my purpose. My passion is like an explosion of energy and enthusiasm in operation. My passion is my mover and my shaker of my purpose. My passion is earthquake shaken. Like Elisha. Smite the ground! He went, one, two, three, what next? And he, the man got mad and says, what is wrong with you? Put some exuberance behind it. Put some passion. Your victory depends on it. Your future hangs in there. Get with it. You only have three victories. That was it. No passion. Amen. Passion is motivational. Passion is challenging in difficult circumstances. Passion comes, amen, amen, and move obstacles and turn opportunities. That's right. My passion... Amen. Our forces in motion. My passion is lively. I know about you, but every morning, when I wake up in the morning, the, the first place I want to come is right to church. I don't want to go nowhere else. I want to go to church. That's my wife. I want to go to church. That's where I live. It's, my passion is there. God, don't change that. I want to go to church. Why? Because that's where my passion is. That's where, that's where I meet God. That's where God is. Amen! Purpose is dead when passion is absent. You're lukewarm. Passion is like sitting on a pin. It makes you jump to your feet. I see I need some pins here out of here. Passion is like being addicted to the purpose. You just can't quit. Passion is compulsive obsession to purpose. Passion is zealously effective. Passion is like a wire to a high voltage. Passion knows no limit. Amen. To an emotional outburst. Passion is Sister Griffith of a mother. When she shot, boy, she shot. You heard it. Woo! Hallelujah! Get off! Boy, all the dead wakes up. Oof, what's going on? Passion, when you're in the fire zone, passion, cease not. Till you win its purpose. Passion like a pin. Amen. Passion is being fired up, energized, out, motivated, ag- amen, and agitated. Passion is display of high energy, emotion. Passion is full devotion. Passion is fervor. Passion is an outburst. Amen of emotion. Passion ignites. Everybody say amen, passion. Everybody say look at me, I'm excited. If you didn't tell me, I wouldn't know. Come on, somebody. Don't allow someone's opinion to become your reality. Amen. Start dreaming right now of finding your purpose without snoring. Start dreaming of discovering who you are. Start dreaming why you are born, why you're here. Why God placed you here. Why you got to put you together. Choose your future. Create your own reality. Challenge your circumstances. Live out your dream. 
Let no one steal the dream that God gave you and surprise yourself. Amen. By living out your dream. Be the unstoppable. Dream the impossible dream. Like Joseph. A lot of folks try to get into the church. I said, you got it all wrong. You forgot one thing. I knew Jesus before I met you. You can't bring me in and you can't take me out. You don't have that power. You don't have that power. And anything happened to me in the church is not Jesus who did it. It's you that did it. Praise God. Joseph said, it's not over till I win. It's not a bad day. It's just a character building day. Mm. Stop feeling unworthy. You're called. You're chosen. You know, people want to run in the church and run out. Friend, this ain't no pantomime. God said, don't be in a hurry to leave the presence of the what? The king. Which of you go to heaven right now? I want to hurry back to earth. Come on, tell me. Well, heaven starts down here. Right now in this church is the invisible Jesus Christ hearing everything I'm saying. And looking in your heart, there's a light going around this building right now, a searchlight. God said, let's see whose heart is right with God. The Spirit of God running up to and fro. Starting the hearts of men to see whose heart is right with them. What is He seeing in your heart right now? What is He seeing in your mind right now? Do you know there are people in time past sit where you're sitting and with burning and musing on their hearts that go, oh God, choose me. Make me be one of those. And they feel, uh, they feel what others don't feel. Amen. Others want to go home. And some of the best service when others are gone. They left alone. Can you say tonight I've been born again for a purpose? I've been chosen by God. I've been ordained by God to be a king and priest unto Him. That means servitude. I'm empowered. I mean, God said, I know the plans I have for your life and my life. You are a chosen vessel to bear my name. You are not an accident. You are a cause. Let's worship God. I didn't choose my mother. I didn't choose my father. If I had my way, I wouldn't have been here. But now that I'm here, I'm going to do the best I can. I said, if I had my way, I wouldn't have chosen to come. But now I'm here, I'm going to do the best I can. Then when I leave, I can say, it was good to find the will of God for my life in this place. God said, ask what you'll have me to do, and I'll do it for you. Amen. Say, I'm appointed. I'm anointed. I am sent. I'll be chosen, and I'm going to be faithful. I'm almost finished. Can you believe that? No, it's not true. You got ten more pages to go. <laughs> I'm going to finish because you can't take it. I can see that. I'm sorry. I'm trying to leave all this for you. I need to get it. But right now, seek right now. Let's close your eyes. Seek to add value to your ministry right now. So God, I want to know what my purpose is and my strength. I want to focus on my strength, not my weakness nor my threats. God, I want you to develop in me what I do well best. God, I want to use this opportunity to empower others 
and make a difference. I want to be energized by my passion. God, give me passion. Energize me. God, help me, God, to, to be strong. God, please, Lord, help me not seek to be successful, but to be significant. God, I want to follow my purpose and my passion. Lord Jesus, I don't want to be that fig tree that you curse. Because you say, why is it occupying the ground where it's not living up to its purpose? I don't want to be that vine in chapter 5 of Isaiah. But I want to be a John Mark. I've turned around and my life has been changed. I'm going to be profitable. Will you stand? I could do all things. Now, God, through Christ that strengthened me, I'm going to press towards the mark of the prize of the higher calling. Will you stand? Lord, I'm going to forget some things behind me. Those weights, I'm going to set them aside. I'm going to strive to enter in. Because thy zeal have eaten me up. I'm fully persuaded. Not almost. I'm fully persuaded that I'm needed. I'm needed. And I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I thought I could in the past. I'm going to press. I'm longing for. I want something in my life. Become useful, God. Come on, young boys, ask God tonight. Even your college, if you don't graduate, you'll be a pauper. You don't do good school, you won't have a good job. You draw the soup kitchen line. Know why you're at school, know your purpose. Team up with others who are making difference. Do things that would produce a valid difference. Know the difference between success and significance. If I'm successful, then it's all about me. But if I'm successful, if I'm significant, God's about the work of God. I'm not in an arrangement with God. I'm in a commitment with God. This is not a career. It's a calling. Lord, I've won three on the three you gave me. I've won five on the five you gave me. Your purpose is a passion. But your passion are not necessarily your purpose. And we're always going to keep tonight our passion above our purpose. And then my passion leads me to discovery of the purpose that God place me in this body. Why am I here? Why here, God? Why not over there? Why? God says your purpose is your gift. Your passion is commitment. Your purpose is your talent, church. I want you to visualize in your mind as you close your eyes tonight. Your passion is your zealousness. Your purpose is the will of God. And your passion is a sacrifice. Your purpose is your calling. And your passion is your addiction to the calling. Your purpose is the mission. And your passion is you're persuaded that the mission is right. Your purpose is your ministry. And your passion is going to make a difference. <coughs> your purpose. I'm going to be a leader. And my passion, I'll take risk to bring it to pass. I'll break through and bring that water to David. And the list goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on. 
I'm going to leave here tonight better than I came. For the rest of this year, I'm going to leave things better than I found it. I'm going to have a passion driven by zeal. Hope on Jesus' church. I hope I didn't waste my time. Sun coursing, could have turnaround, plant time. This church need a turnaround right now. Everybody turn around right now in the spirit. This is my passion. We're going to read to be in operation. My purpose is the reason why I exist in this church. I come tonight with my passion and operation. I'm here ignited to act. I'm pushed to excel. I'm driven to perform. I'm set on fire for God. I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. I'm burning with a zeal. I'm seeking out with invention to make things better convention. I'm searching for excellence. I'm not too busy to work for God. I'm emotionally electrified. I am purpose-driven. I must go to Ansac, Fortune, Fort Mackay, Morinville, Alberta, Saskatchewan, wherever people need us. McMurray. Let's worship him. Come on, church. Sometimes in the morning, I wake up at 2 o'clock and jog down notes. Turn the lights on. 1 o'clock. Doesn't matter what time it is. Time is relevant when passion is burning. Passion is stronger than love. It's burning. It's burning. Let's worship God. That's why when people have passion for the wrong thing, they are extremists. Isis have a passion for Mohammedism. That's why they're so extreme. They're very extreme. People don't understand that they're not mediocre. They're totally devoted as life or death. They say, give me life or liberty. Our death, our liberty, they fight for it. What about this church tonight? And I want to say to you that are burning with passion, don't let someone's opinion derail you. I've seen people before that rose up to clean the church, and others criticized them so badly that they were seeking to be seen, and they quit. I've seen people who had vision of doing great things for God stop because others start criticizing. Don't act in the direction of opinion. If God put the passion in you, don't quench it. So the zeal of that house have eaten me up. I don't want you to stop me. Go talk to the preacher. But I'm burning up a desire to get this thing done. You don't feel what I'm feeling, but I'm burning on the inside. I'm burning on the inside. And I feel I'm consecrating this to God David said, I got to bring the ark home. I may be wrong the first time trying to do it, but I still want to bring it home. 
He said, I'm going to bring it home. It may not be the right way, but at least I'm trying a way until I find the right way. And they mocked him, but he's still bringing it anyhow. And God said, I like what you did, David. You got passion. You, you dance and you, and you, and you move. <coughs> I'd rather fail trying than fail without trying. Lift up your hands to God. Young people, I'm asking you tonight. It's just of teenagers and young kids going over the join. Condemnation. What about you joining the church tonight with passion? Like you're doing the play ball field. Well, get a passion tonight like you would in the hockey arena. Come on. Get a passion like you do in the football field. Why don't you cry, not because you're hurting, but because you're tears of joy. <coughs> Come on. Why don't you pray with exuberance with intercessory prayer. Don't you allow yourself to shake like a, a leaf in the wind. Come on, somebody. I'm burning with passion. Jesus said he was a burning fire. The zeal chewed him up. Look at this church. Just look at this right here. Look at it. Don't die on me. Look at this. Finding my purpose. Between now and Sunday, what would happen if we find our purpose, our passion, and make you perform? What is it? I don't know about you, but I'm driven right now. I have an obsession. I have an obsession. I feel I find my purpose for existing. When you reach my age, you better find it pretty quick. You have much time left on earth. To fulfill that mission. The greatest statement you ever make, leave this world, is I have finished my course. I have finished my course. David served his generation. And he brought back the ark with passion. He built the temple with passion and died with passion. And God said, That's my man. Look at this. Look at this, church. Can you find your purpose? Why are you born? Why are you here? What's your passion? When you sing, how do you sing? How do you perform? How do you do this thing? That's what happened. Gifts, committed. Zealousness, addiction, persuasion, making a difference. The world understands this. They think you're, you're nuts. They say you're, you're a fanatic. You're right. The word fanatic is shortened form as fan. They're hockey fan. I mean, they're hockey fanatics. I am for Jesus. See right here? My gifts, my talents, my calling, my mission, and all these things. I don't have to be all these, but I can be one of them or some of them or all of them. If God allow me to. Look at this right here. Come on, get to the picture here, please. Is it the picture? Doesn't work. That's the devil doing that to you. All right, look at this right here, folks. See right here? God set this diamond in a native background. Many members, diversities of gifts, differences of administration. And diversities of what? Operation. This is what? Purposes in the church. There should be no lacking in this church. After I finish preach, church, this is a rule. Nobody from this congregation get up and walk out. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm commanding you don't do it. I'm warning you by the Holy Ghost. Do not do it. 
get all they need done before I start preaching. Unless you got absolutely immersed in zero. Don't do it. That's a devil's trap to destroy the ministry of the pew. Do not do it. This is not a theater. The show is over. You're walking out. Huh? Or arena. Don't do it. You sit right there until everything is done and be available to work on the altar. Praise God. Now, folks, look at this here. Amen. Your hands, your feet, your nose, they all got function and purpose. And this example of purpose right here. They all need to be where God wants them. Otherwise, there's trouble. Our purpose, we learn from these guys. I learn from these guys. What purpose is all about? Jesus, Paul, Esther, and Jeremiah, Moses, and all these guys. They taught me what purpose is all about. And so, when I follow them, I know what needs to happen. I'm going to follow their example because I know what God thinks about my place. Amen. If it's just to clean the floor, so what? It's needed. If you're in the tabernacle plan, somebody got to take the ashes out. Somebody got to clean up that mess after that blood is, is all spilled. Huh? That's part of the ministry. It's all come together for a common good. Amen. Praise God. And no office is more important than any other body's offices. Just the flesh tell you differently. But church, if it's about making a significant difference, amen, success is irrelevant. Look at this right here. Purposes discovered. Read about these guys. And look how these men were chosen. Look at the qualification that God called for. Very simple. Honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of wisdom. Business skill they had. And all these were brought together to work for the common good. Do not hide your skill. If you can type, you can use a computer, whatever you can do, you need to let it happen. And you should also commit other people to do what you have been doing. God said, commit to faithful men what you have been doing. Amen. Plus, like-mindedness. Amen. It's not a iffy. It's a must. The worst thing could ever happen to Canada is for the birth rate to go down. Number two, the teaching rate not being taught. It would destroy us. Amen. This is right here, folks. Read these scriptures. And when you pray, you know what you're praying for because you read these lives. And I won't be there to monitor you. I will monitor you. But if you're smart, you listen to me, Timothy, Phoebe, and amen, and this married couple, and Mary, amen, and all the bishops of their labor. Here's what they did. They were addicted. They hazarded their lives. They gave their lives. They sought Paul out. They were not ashamed of him. They were like-minded. These are all things they did. They, they pluck out their eyes for him. They know their lives. What were we doing? Being emotionally attached. They were emotionally attached to the cause. As a result, we got this Bible. Because when God called it, it didn't exist. The Bible didn't exist yet. But they were busy writing it because they were emotionally charged and committed. Do you hear me? Only one guy he lost, Judas. The rest he kept because they were committed. Are there any questions? Oh, I know there's no questions. Is there any questions over here? I guess not. Any over here? My answer, why it takes so long? To give you a chance to search your soul. Lord Jesus,